In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Somewhere along the way, you might have met a priest named Fred Shriver. Uh, Professor Shriver retired from General Seminary down in Chelsea just a few years ago. And I don't know if perhaps he ever preached here or taught a class. He is quite a character. Um, Professor Shriver saw part of his role as being the one faculty member who was never afraid to speak the truth, to point out that the emperor or the dean had no clothes on. Um, Professor Shriver would always say that if he were the priest on Ash Wednesday, he perhaps would impose ashes at the beginning of the service, but by the end he would be standing in the back with a wash rag, and he would insist that every forehead be wiped to follow the gospel of the day, which says, do not practice your piety before others. Um, Professor Shriver did not suffer fools gladly, and he had no room for pretense or putting on. His field was church history, and so he would teach the predictable courses within that field. But my first course with him was a little off to the edge. I believe it was called something like uh, Art and Spirituality in the Italian Renaissance. And each class was like an extended sermon. And I remember the first day of class, he began with a sort of question and answer time. And he said, "Um, do you know why I'm teaching this course? Uh, Do you know where I got my training? Do you know where I studied art history? And he he would lead us along. And no one really had the answers. And finally, he would sort of thunder forth. And he said, I know what I know because I look. And you need to look too. And that was really his sermon every week. Look. Look at the art. What do you see? What is it telling you? No amount of art historical degrees will tell you what your eyes can tell you. And so he taught us all a wonderful thing about art, to look deeply, to look carefully, to at least pause 30 seconds before taking a picture of the painting when you're in a famous museum, (laughs) to look deeply and see what you can see. But I think Professor, also Father Shriver, was also teaching us a gospel value, um, to look and look deeply to look well, to look closely. We know what we know. We will learn what we learn by looking. Today's scriptures are all about looking, but not looking with our eyes so much as looking with God's eyes. That reading from 1 Samuel, the first lesson we heard, marks a major shift for God's people The people have been longing for a king. They've wanted a king, just like all the other nations. Give us a a strong king that we can be proud of, that we can show off, that we can get behind. The priests have reminded them again and again that power corrupts, and kings usually end up going bad. God alone is king and ruler, the priests say. But the people have prevailed, and God has presumably heard their prayers. 
And so the big shift begins as Samuel anoints Saul as king. But then over time, like the prophets and priests warned, Saul goes bad. And scripture says, even God was sorry. And so something new begins to stir. There will be a king, but not a king. There'll be a strong and sure leader, but not the most predictable one. And so it will take good eyes to follow what God does next. In today's reading, Samuel goes to the village of Jesse. All the sons are paraded out one by one, the strongest, the smartest, the bravest, sort of like a male beauty pageant. But then we know, if we've heard this story before, we know that Samuel is going to ask for someone else. Someone who is, Scripture tries to point out the obvious choice all along, someone who turns out to be kind of good-looking, with beautiful eyes, we're told. But even that can't cover up, that editorial remark put in later, probably, can't cover up how strange and unpredictable this choice is by God. The key to the passage and the key to the calling of David comes to Samuel from God when God says, The Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance. The Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. In the gospel, we have the obvious centerpiece of the story being that of a man who is healed of his blindness But if we look closer, if we look around the edges, we see that God is really inviting everyone in the story to see differently, to deepen their vision. The village, all those neighbors who are confused to see whether this is the guy who used to be begging on the corner or not. Uh, The Pharisees who are worried about how and when he received his sight. Was it on the Sabbath? Was it not? Um, The parents of the man, who seem like they'd rather have just stayed out of the whole thing. (laughs) Everyone's invited to see differently, to see in a new way. When the man is brought back in front of the Pharisees, those religious authorities, he's asked about the man who healed him. Since they refer to Jesus as a sinner, and the man who's been healed begins to see with his own eyes his eyes that were blind and now have been changed. He sees the whole picture, and he's even able to see with a new confidence and be a little playful with the Pharisees. Why don't you ask him, he says. Do you want to follow him too? This is a new person, a new person altogether. Not only has he been healed of his vision, he's been given renewed strength and confidence and faith, not only in God, but in himself. He's standing up to the Pharisees. This man who has been healed is this, has this wonderfully detached perspective of understanding the whole picture, of not being threatened by the Pharisees, the bullies of the day. With that perspective, he finds humor, and he's able to respond with calm and confidence, even though he's thrown out of the synagogue. And so when the man finds Jesus, Jesus asks him somewhat mysteriously, do you believe in the Son of Man? Using that old term for a prophet, a seer, a a person of God, the Messiah himself. 
And in all humility and honesty, the man says, well, after what I've seen, after what I've been given, I'm willing to look at anything. Tell me who he is and I'll believe. And Jesus says, you have seen him. You're seeing him now. And the man believes. Those those scriptures all work together for a kind of joy that marks this day. The joy that we too can improve our vision, our, our spiritual seeing, our ability to face anything with the calm and the humor of seeing clearly, of seeing with God. Our vision is healed, our vision is, is cleansed, and our vision is, is nurtured by other people. We pray for healing. We pray for actual healing. We do like Jesus does. We pray for what we want, knowing full well God will give us what God gives. But we pray for healing. We we know full well that healing may not always look like it does on TV or in the movies. And healing is not always the same as a cure. But healing brings vision. It brings a renewed insight. Healing brings a deeper vision. I think of a great friend of my former parish. Uh, He was a man who worked at the nearby florist. And one week he was missing from the florist. And we'd heard that he hadn't been feeling well. Well, the next thing we heard and he heard was that he had a horrible kind of cancer. It had spread to the brain and things were not looking good at all. This was the situation for two or three days. So we prayed for healing. We we prayed for all kinds of things, for miracles. Friends of his prayed. Friends who had no faith prayed. They sent their intentions of love and strength and healing. But just the right doctor seems to have showed up. And that doctor thought, well, I'm not so sure about this. It reminds me of something I've read about. And so he looked closer. Long story, very short. It turns out the man had an infection that had spread to his brain. He was treated for the infection and he was made well. He was healed. It was a strange kind of episode. We all prayed for healing and it seemed as though our prayers were answered. But the healing came in natural human form, didn't it? It came through a well-trained, clear thinking and seeing doctor who simply did his job. It came through the administrative people who made processes go. It came through the practicalities of a hospital and friends and a workplace that supported healing. So there was a lot that went into the healing We never know quite how God sends healing, but we can continue to pray with full confidence that God's healing happens already. Some of us need a little renewed spiritual vision, and we just need a good cleaning of our eyes. Of course, baptism does that at the very beginning, but we have the lingering effects of baptism remembered and reclaimed any time we ask God to clean us so that we can see more clearly. The letter to the Ephesians contains language that many scholars believe was used in some of the very earliest Christian baptismal ceremonies. 
Once you were in darkness, now in the Lord you are light. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. God improves our vision, deepens our seeing through healing, through cleansing, and often by giving us others who might be able to see better or differently than we ourselves can see. I sometimes remember a wonderful woman in my very first parish who who loved to visit people with me. Um, She always had a list of people we should go visit. And so uh, she would insist on driving. And so she would show up at the church in this enormous Buick that I don't think they make anymore. They should make anymore. It was enormous. And she insisted on driving and we would go from house to house and visit people. But as we went, she would say, John, what does that sign up ahead say? Is that our turn? And I would get a little nervous. (laughs) We'd drive up and she'd say, now is this where so-and-so lives or is it over there? And again, I would wonder, is this the right person to be riding with? (laughs) Well, later I realized that this was just a part of the game. It was a part of our way of being together. She knew what the signs said. She could read them as well as I could. She knew who lived where. But it was her way of inviting me into the conversation, of of getting me involved, of helping me see, of showing me how to see what she saw. In the spiritual life, we're often given companions for the way. People who see things beyond what we see, or maybe they see things we miss. To benefit from others, it just takes our acknowledging that I don't always see everything. I need your eyes. I need your help. I need your insight. We are sometimes blinded by ourselves, by work, by struggles, by illness, by the world. But with God and God's friends, we can begin to see more clearly. One of the wonderful things about this church is there's so much to look at. There's so much to see. We probably should have opera glasses in the back for people to take and look at the windows a little more closely. We'll get there. We all probably have our favorite images somewhere in this room. Or if you're new, I invite you to to find your favorite. It'll change on you after a few days, a few months, a few years. One thing I love about this church that if you've ever been on one of my little stained glass tours, you'll hear is that the central panels in this church are not what one would expect. A church named the Church of the Holy Trinity. Where's the Trinity? One might imagine God the Father looking like the Holy Grandfather with a long beard and Jesus dying on the cross and then a bird or a dove somewhere to be the Holy Spirit. None of that here. It's not even about Jesus being resurrected. It's not about Jesus dying on the cross for us. Not front and center. It's about the raising of Lazarus up top. And just below, there over the altar, is the healing of the blind man. The healing of Bartimaeus, as one gospel gives it. And notice, it's not the sort of image we sometimes see in art, where Jesus actually has um, the mud on his finger and is putting it on the eyelids of the man being healed. Here, there's a little bit of distance. It's as though the man is asking, and Jesus is offering. 
And everyone around is, is not so much detached and judging, but they're a part of it. They're, they're anticipating. They're excited. They're hopeful. They followed Jesus enough to know that he can do this. He is doing this. The man is already being healed and changed. It's a wonderful image for this church that was built for people, many of whom who were struggling, struggling with work, struggling to put food on the table, struggling to get through another week. And so they could come here and see first and foremost that God is not way off somewhere else. God is right here raising us from what feels like near-death experiences every day, every week, healing us of whatever blindness overtakes us. God is for us, and we are surrounded by a company. God invites us to allow God to deepen our vision, to allow God to touch us, to heal us, and to help us see as we move ever closer into a relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ. In this process of improving our seeing, we're healed, we're cleansed, but we do it together. May God grant us to see the miracles that are already within us and around us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.